referred to it and we have looked at that and read that we've seen that salvation is not by works in the book of Jonah but by faith which leads to repentance we've seen that God's purpose of grace cannot be frustrated God has a plan for your life let me tell you if God has a plan for your life He doesn't fail. And His plans don't fail. You may run from Him. You may ignore His call. Let me tell you, if He's your Lord and He's your Savior, He's coming for you. He's coming for you. And He will not be frustrated in His purposes that He has for you and the accomplishments of your life here on earth. God will not cast us aside if we're unfaithful to Him. We've learned. But He will correct us for Him. And He will go to the extent that is necessary to bring you back into line with the direction that He has set for you again in your life on this earth. Oh, we've seen that God is gracious, haven't we? In the book of Jonah. Now we've seen that God is the God of the Gentiles. Well, Chuck has already mentioned that some this morning. Nineveh was a Gentile city and a great city. It was uh, the Assyrian capital at that time. But a huge sinful city. Right. So, Jonah was called to be a missionary to Nineveh, we saw, to warn these people, enemies of his country, enemies of Israel, 
Jonah didn't like the Ninevites. He hated them. They were enemies of Israel, of the people of God. We saw that God prepared the fish that saved Jonah from drowning. We've seen that the men on the ship left their dependence on their little g-gods that they at first commanded everybody to go to you. Whatever God that you worship. But after speaking with Jonah and dealing with him and his issue that had now had spilled over into their issue, they called on the true and living God. As Jonah explained, he's the God that created the land and the sea. The sea and the dry land. The sea was death to them. They were going to die. They knew it. Without God, they would have. So typical of you and I, isn't it? Through the storms of life, our goodness, our good works cannot stand in the presence of a holy, righteous God. Oh, but His Son's good works did and do. Praise God. Alright. So, we've seen that God was in control. That God has intervened over and over in this account of this part of Jonah's life. God intervened, put the fish there to swallow Jonah. God intervened and told the fish to spit Jonah out on the beach, which He did. Now, we see Jonah going, we saw in verse 3, when the Word came to Jonah a second time, chapter 3, sorry, verse 1, And the Word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the preaching that I bid thee. The Lord had already given him the mission. He knew what God wanted him to do, but he didn't want to do it. We're going to see that he actually thought he was smarter than God. All right. Verse 4, Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. We talked about that. He probably got there sooner than he would have walking uh, by taking the ship. You see, God works all these things out, doesn't He? And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, verse 4, and he cried and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God. They believed God. And they proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. We look at that a little bit. Sackcloth and ashes, what did it mean? It meant that they recognized that there was a God who was in control of all things. And that they recognized that they weren't in control. They recognized that their pride had caused them to sin against a holy, righteous God, they recognized that they had to humble themselves because God is real. God is an awesome, sovereign God. They realized it through this preaching. And God changed them. Even the king laid aside his robe, which was a thing of pride. We talked about that. Sackcloth. They covered themselves in sackcloth. That's humility. And mourning 
Mourning over what? They were mourning over what they had been shown about themselves. Oh, we are undone. We are without God. And He's going to destroy us because of our wicked ways. God changed their hearts and their minds. God saved them. All right. Now, we come to chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4. Again, Nineveh was this great city. It was the capital of Assyria at this time. Let's look at chapter 4. Chapter 4. Jonah, chapter 4. I'm going to read the last verse of chapter 3. And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. They not only humbled themselves and sat under sackcloth and in ashes, but they changed. They turned from their evil ways. How are we able to be turned from our evil ways? It's by the power and grace of God, isn't it? It's a free gift that our hearts are changed. Our desires in this life are changed to please and suit Him. And God repented of the evil that He had said that He would do unto them, and He did it not. Now, Jonah chapter 4, verse 1, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Well, let's look at this this morning. Jonah's anger. Why was Jonah angry? Why did he get mad at God? Why did he think he could get mad at God? Oh, sinful man, how do you cry against the holy righteous God? And he prayed unto the Lord, verse 2. And he said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before Tarshish, for I knew that Thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repentance of the evil. Jonah didn't know that, did he? No. Jonah desired for the enemy to be destroyed, didn't he? Jonah thinks he knows better than God. I don't know if he really said that to God or not. He said he did. I guess he did before he left. You're going to save him anyway. I can't imagine him saying that, but he said he did. This was my saying, verse 2, when I was yet in my country. Therefore, this is the reason I fled. Because I already knew what you were going to do. I already knew the future. He didn't, did he? No. No, he didn't. Sometimes we think our way is better than God's way, don't we? Sometimes we think we've got it all under control. But we don't do it. He says, Therefore I fled before unto Tarsus, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and great of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. And you see, Jonah was in favor of God's mercy and love when it was toward him and toward His people. 
we're going to see that Jonah was a selfish person. He didn't want to share God with the Gentiles. He didn't want to share God with those that he saw as his enemies. And they were. So Jonah is displeased at God's mercy on Nineveh. God did not approve of Nineveh's wickedness now. But he did delight in their repentance. They turned from their wicked ways. Did God change his mind? Of course not. God knew exactly what they were going to do, when they were going to do it, and that they were going to do it according to his instruction. No, he didn't change his mind. But it was a awakening for the Ninevites to know that he has all power in heaven and earth and he could destroy them at any time. And that they deserved it. And he would be right in doing so. But Jonah wanted them to destroy it, didn't he? He did. Now verse 3. After he tells God that he knew better, and God's done putting through all of this anguish, all of this pain that he went through, being thrown overboard in a storm, being swallowed by a fish. Therefore now, O Lord, verse 3, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. He was really upset with me. Actually, his words are true. Except, uh, as far as his purpose in life goes, yeah, it would be better for him to die because he would have been with the Lord. But God wasn't true with him. So. Sometimes we think that. I'm not in a hurry to die, but I sure would be love to be in the presence of the Lord. And these loved ones that we sang about, and that was a circle being unbroken. But God wasn't done with him. But he's so mad, he just wants to die. For me it is better to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? Doest thou well to be angry? Kind of sounds like his words to pain. Doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went, Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and sat under it in the heat. And he was waiting to see God destroy the city. That's what Jonah wanted to see. He didn't want to share God with the Gentiles, did he? No. He did not. He did not love his enemies as we are instructed to do. We're instructed to pray for our enemies. He didn't do that. He did that till he might see what would become of the city in the verse 5. And the Lord prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. The Lord intervened again, didn't he? Even though Jonah, we might say, had lost it. Jonah was mad at God because what he saw 
happening in the future for Nineveh didn't happen. God was even merciful to them whom He hated. Alright. The Lord prepared a gourd. He intervened again and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. And it did. But Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. He loved this gourd. It just sprung up. But he loved this gourd. But he didn't love the people of Nineveh, did he? He was happy about the gourd, but he was not happy about God delivering the people of Nineveh. In verse 7, But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. The Lord gives and takes the weight on it. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind. God's intervention again. And the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted. And he wished himself again to die. And he said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah in verse 9, Doest thou well to be angry for the Lord? Jonah is still mad at God. And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for which thou hast not labored, neither made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not, should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein there are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? 120,000 little children, I believe. I wasn't very old when I could determine my left hand from my right hand. But he didn't have pity on the living, did he? No, he didn't. He learned a lesson. God was teaching him something important. Romans chapter 12 and verse 20. Read those words. Romans chapter 12. It starts with verse 14. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceit. That sound like Jonah? It does. Jonah was a very selfish person in his nature. He was also, I believe, a very proud person. After all, he was a prophet of God. 
Recompense to no man evil for evil, verse 17. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. Give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt keep coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Now for years, I thought this verse was saying that the Lord would burn them up with coals of fire. I don't believe that's the case. I believe it's the same thing that happened to the Ninevites here. God intervened for the Ninevites. What did they do? They sat in sackcloth and ashes. They humbled themselves. Where did they... Where did... uh, uh, They put the ashes. Put the ashes on their heads, didn't they? I believe repentance is what he's talking about here. When you take care of your enemies, when you feed your enemies, we need to feed that what we think of our enemies, the world, the truth, don't we? That's what they need to partake of more than anything else. The water of life, that's what we need to provide for them. And by doing so, the way the Ninevites did, what they do, they repented in sackcloth and ashes. I believe that that's what he means here when he says, For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. I don't believe it's hot coals that's going to burn your enemy up. No, I believe it's going to be them being changed by God. Their heart being changed. Their mind being changed. They coming to realize that they are sinners undone without God. Well, isn't that our purpose here on earth? To spread God's gospel? What did John the Baptist preach? Repent. Repent. Realize that you're a sinner in sight of a holy, righteous God. Feed your enemies. Give them drink. Putting away self-pride which will not stand before the judgment of God. That's what you did when God saved you. That's what you did when you were changed by the Holy Spirit of God. God could have sent somebody else besides Jonah the first time or the second time. God was not taken by surprise when Jonah decided to go in the opposite direction of where God sent him. You see, Jonah was learning a great lesson. I believe that Jonah learned to love his enemies. I believe that Jonah realized that God is the God of the Gentiles as well as the children of Jacob, as well as God's chosen. I think that Jonah learned this great lesson that God is in control. 
think we've learned a great lesson here in the book of Jonah. The Lord Himself declared that there would be no sign any greater than the account of Jonah. You see, God must intervene. God sent us for a purpose on this life. Won't you go straight to that purpose? Won't you put aside the pride of life, the pride of self-worth, and realize that it only gets you away from a straight path to God's purpose for you in your life? Oh, that we would realize that God is in control. Yes, we get into different things. We take different paths. But God doesn't leave us. He stays with us. And He's going to bring us back. He's going to bring us back in line with His purpose for us. Oh, won't you trust in Him enough this morning that you would go straight to Him in all your needs. That you would go straight to the purpose that He has given you to accomplish in this life that you would not hesitate to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you would not hesitate to tell of what He's done for you. Oh, the account of Jonah, he is a wonderful type of the Savior. Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. He's always been the way, the truth, and the life. Jonah was saved and put on this path uh, of obedience to God that he failed in the same way that you have been put on a path of of obedience today. Do we fail God? Absolutely. Is God leaving us? Absolutely not. He's always with us. The end result of God's purpose will not fail. You may feel like you fail. I feel like I fail. Quite often. Oh, but I'm so happy that God is a sovereign God and that His purpose for me, eternal life with Him, cannot be thwarted even by my unfaithfulness. He is the great and mighty Savior. Praise the Lord. All right. Thank the Lord for our time together this morning. Oh, that we would not, in our pride, fail or want to fail to preach the gospel to every creature. In our pride, we won't think, He's not going to save them anyway. Why would we preach to them they're like this or they're like that or they're the enemies? Of our people, or our nation, that every creature belongs to God.